Welcome to this episode of Senior Survival Guide. Today's topic is bladder control. Whether male or female, as one gets older, you are likely to experience an increased frequency in urination. For everyone as they age, there are some changes that take place in terms of the urinary tract and the bladder in particular. So generally there is a reduction in terms of the elasticity or the contractility of the bladder itself. There also, in part because of that, is a decrease in bladder capacity. So as we get older, we can generally count on holding about 400 milliliters of urine, but that is less than what we were probably able to do when we were younger. There is also a decrease in the urethral sphincter pressure. So that muscle that helps us keep urine in when we feel the urge to go to the bathroom becomes weaker as you get older. There is another change, and that is in the pelvic floor muscles. Particularly in female who go through menopause, this can lead to an inability to control the bladder as well. That decrease in contractility of the bladder also means that we are likely to have a little more urine in the bladder after we finish voiding. Together, all these things may increase our frequency of urination, but they should not lead to urinary incontinence, leakage of urine. However, certain pathologic changes or medications can push us over the edge to the point that it's not just an increase in frequency, but we actually lose control. We can become incontinent of urine. In general, we talk about four different types of incontinence. One is stress incontinence. That's where that urethral muscle is just weaker, and we may find ourselves leaking urine when we cough or sneeze or sometimes when we laugh. Things that will increase abdominal pressure can oftentimes lead to leakage of urine. Another type of incontinence is called urge incontinence. That's when that contractility occurs, usually when we're not expecting it, sometimes without any warning at all. And that generally leads to a fair amount of urine being lost when that contraction occurs. Another type of incontinence is called overflow incontinence. That can occur when the bladder fills up so much that we're no longer able to retain the urine. Sometimes that will happen for men when they have a large prostate that impinges on the urethra itself. It can also occur in women, however, in women who have neurogenic bladders, sometimes because of diabetes or other disease, and they're not able to contract their bladder adequately, and the pressure builds up to a point that it finally overcomes the urethral strength, and then they leak. Usually this is a little bit of urine at a time, but oftentimes very frequent in occurrence. Finally, I should mention that there can be a mix in terms of types of incontinence. So people can have both stress and urge incontinence. They can have hypercontractility of their bladder, but they can also have incomplete emptying and for some of those individuals, they are going to the bathroom very, very frequently because of multiple problems. These issues can be very common in the population, and it is for this reason that the 
industry of absorbent adult pads is a multi-billion dollar industry. So our challenge is to identify factors that can cause this leakage of urine and try to correct them. In general, it's important to do this not just because of the cost or the issue with absorbent pads, but because urinary incontinence can cause other problems. It can lead to social isolation, and that means people are not getting out and interacting as well, and for older adults in particular, this can be very problematic. It also can, of course, impair the quality of life. There is, of course, the financial burden of buying all those pads. There is also a level of embarrassment that occurs, and people will decrease their activities, or they will adjust their activities. So there are people who won't go out unless they know where the bathrooms are going to be. They won't go for prolonged trips unless they know that they can get to a bathroom frequently. And then finally, there are other problems. There's an increased risk for falls and even for issues related to disease. So urinary tract infections can be more common in individuals who leak urine. And for these reasons, we definitely want to get a handle on it if we can. So there are some things that can be reversed that can cause urinary leakage. Medications is certainly one of those. A restriction in mobility, so anyone who's had a stroke, or even people with dementia who can't find a bathroom, they're likely to suffer from functional incontinence. That's that incontinence where you just can't physically get to the bathroom. And then there are things like infection. Urinary tract infections can cause increased frequency and also make it difficult to control the bladder. Drinking too much water can lead to increase in urinary frequency as well, although that doesn't usually in and of itself lead to incontinence. Some foods and beverages also can increase our risk for incontinence. For many postmenopausal women, inflammation or atrophic vaginitis can increase urinary frequency as well as bladder control. Interestingly, even having feces in the rectal vault in large amounts, such as with impaction or severe constipation, that also can contribute to difficulties with bladder control. And then finally, for some individuals, there are actually some psychological factors that can contribute here. Let me take a minute or two to talk about medications in particular, because they're very common causes of urinary incontinence. For example, there's a class of medications called alpha blockers. This class generally refers to medications that are used for lowering blood pressure, or for men, oftentimes they are used to help open up the urethra so that they can empty their bladder when they have a large prostate. Because benign prostatic hyperplasia, or BPH, is so common in men, some prescribers will just give out a prescription for an alpha blocker without actually examining the etiology of the urinary leakage. If indeed it turns out the cause is not from a large prostate, but rather from urgency or stress incontinence, then the alpha blocker becomes problematic and can actually worsen the urinary leakage. Another class of blood pressure medications, beta blockers, like metoprolol or atenolol 
can be associated with an increased contraction of the bladder and cause leakage that way as well. Other medications in a class called cholinergic agents can also be associated with urinary leakage. Cholinergic agents are medications such as Sudafed or pseudoephedrine seen in some allergy medications. Of course, certain diuretics, whether prescription or natural diuretics, can also be problematic. Some non-medication diuretics include things like caffeine, alcohol, even artificial sweeteners, especially in carbonated beverages, can contribute. There are also medications that can cause retention of urine in the bladder, ultimately leading to overflow incontinence issues. Antihistamines, including drugs like diphenhydramine or dimenhydrinate, ingredients commonly found in antihistamine or allergic medications, or in medications for seasickness. Also, a class of medications called anticholinergics, which include many medications used for depression, for example. Another group of medications called calcium channel blockers, like amlodipine, can make it more difficult to empty the bladder and move your bowels as well. And then certainly some pain medications, particularly the opiates, like morphine, can have a substantial impact on bladder function and urinary control. Understanding the cause of the urinary leakage allows us to know how to treat the problem and what to avoid to keep it from becoming exacerbated. So for stress incontinence, where the urethral sphincter is weak and the pelvic muscle floor is weakened as well, we may recommend behavioral interventions, particularly pelvic muscle exercises. These are sometimes called Kegel exercises, K-E-G-E-L. To be effective, these must be done properly, in adequate amounts, and for adequate duration. Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't become Mr. Universe after just a few weeks of exercising, nor will that pelvic muscle floor get adequate strength after just a couple of weeks of training. But after a couple of months, you will start to see improvement, particularly if used properly. To understand this exercise, consider being in a crowded elevator and feeling the urge to pass gas. The same muscle you use to keep from passing gas is the same pelvic floor muscles that will help you control your bladder. By squeezing those muscles in 10 repetitions, 10 times a day, over the course of a few months, you'll find that you are much better at being able to control your bladder. There are some people who will do those 10 contractions every time that are at a traffic light, or they'll do it every time a commercial comes on on television until they get their 10 repetitions in each day. It is also important 
to time the squeeze appropriately. So I tell people, squeeze before you sneeze. Certainly you don't want to do it while you're sneezing or while you're coughing or while you're picking up a package. Squeeze first and then participate in the activity, keeping the squeeze going the entire time. These exercises will also help with urge incontinence. There are, of course, medications that can also be helpful. In order to determine which medications are appropriate, it is absolutely important to get a proper evaluation and then based on that evaluation to see a healthcare professional who can prescribe the best medication and avoid prescribing medications that will exacerbate the condition. At minimum, a good evaluation will involve getting a urinalysis, some blood work, and a post-void residual volume assessment. That's an assessment of how much urine is left in the bladder after you empty your bladder out voluntarily as far as you can. Depending on the etiology, some physicians will also incorporate a bladder filling capacity, seeing how much fluid can go into the bladder before it contracts. Reevaluation after medications have been prescribed and these exercises are in place for a while, or other interventions that may be recommended by your healthcare provider is very important. In very refractory cases, occasionally we will need to incorporate additional interventions such as surgical interventions or perhaps injections or implants. All of this can be assessed and recommended by your healthcare professional. If your doctor, nurse practitioner, or physician assistant can't handle the problem in their own office, they may need to make a recommendation for a consultant and make a referral so that somebody with a little more expertise in this area can address your problem. But in almost all cases, there is great hope for people who leak urine and have urinary frequency. The only thing you need to do is bring it to the attention of your healthcare provider. I hope this has been helpful. This is Dr. Michael Gloth trying to make those golden ears a little shinier. Thank you.